Welcome to the Back of the Rotation podcast. I'm AJ. I'm Greg. Um, we're glad to be back. I know we've kind of had a wacky schedule. A lot, a lot of stuff's going on for all of us, so we're glad to be back. We're going to hopefully be getting more consistent, but then there are things coming up, so we'll see. But we still want to put out episodes for you guys every now and then. Um, hope So we hope you guys enjoy. Uh, so first, I want to get into news. So I think the biggest baseball story that has broke is Christian Yelich out for the season with, uh, I think he fractured his right kneecap, which just sounds, this just sounds bad. Um, I guess it's like one step below shattering it. Uh, but Christian Yelich, potential MVP candidate out for the season. Great. Yeah. How do you think this impacts the Brewers chances? We had here. I, I'm not sure where you are geographically right now, but I've, I've got to be a thousand miles away from the Milwaukee area. Yeah. And last night we had a huge, huge gust of wind pass through the area. And I think now I know what happened is that the entire Milwaukee area uh, just uh, they breathed out a sigh of despair. <laughs> they got this, this kills their chances right now. I yeah. mean, as, as, as young as he is, he's the leader of that team. Uh, he's the guy that they count on for to carry them. Uh, it's it, this is. I mean, it, um, I think it's Mustakis is having problems still with his wrist. He's been off the roster, or not the roster, but in and out of the lineup for the past week. It's you know whatever can go wrong is going wrong with Milwaukee, and I feel I feel bad for him because I think it's it's well publicized that I'm a small market guy. I like to see the small market teams. Yeah. And this this kills Milwaukee. I just hate it. It, it really it really does because I mean Milwaukee is a game out of the wild card right now, and you know you can say that they you know they're only five games back of the Central. That seems like a lot, but I mean the Central has been up in the air. Like Milwaukee's led it at one point, the Cubs have led it at one point, the Reds have only been like two games back at one point. So the Central has been way up in the air. So they could they could have competed for the Central, but I honestly think. Milwaukee has had some Milwaukee has had problems pitching, so they've relied on their offense. They've relied on that hitting, which was provided by Christian Yelich, and now they're not going to have that. I mean, Christian Yelich is tied for third in in baseball, tied for third in home runs. Um, he's in fourth in average with 3.29, and OBP he's second. An on base percentage 429 OPS. He leads all of baseball in OPS with an 1100 OPS. So they, I mean, you know, there's that bait, debate between National League MVP Bellinger Yelich, but you could say the Brewers just lost the best player in the National League. I mean, you know, there's Mike Trout, but maybe even baseball right now. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and I, you know, I don't like to, it's that city. That's one of the largest cities there in the American League East. I forgot what's the name of that city. It they, the, 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 it's, uh, starts with an N. It's two words. But anyways. Newport. Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah, right? that's what it is. <laughs> out and crying right now. Oh, Milwaukee got an injury. Isn't that just horrible? But, uh, I mean, with a guy that you're counting on that much, you know, I think the, the rest of the baseball world is, is feeling the sympathy for, for Milwaukee. I know, I know, I know Yankee fans could care less about injuring one guy, but, you know, 
Milwaukee, they're hurting, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen to them next. Too late for trades. They have, they don't have anybody. That obviously, it's going to fill those shows, shoes in a farm system. I don't know if anybody in their lineup can step it up. Uh, there's, there's one player, and he's an outfielder. He's, I'm trying to find his name. Uh, it starts with a T, and this is seriously, I can't remember his name. Oh, it's Tr- Grisham. Grisham. Okay. He's, he, he's not going to fill his shoes. But he's got the potential to put some stats on the board that could help, you know, ease the pain a little bit. But uh, it's not, it's not Yelich. That's the bottom line. So, um, well, I don't know. what's going to happen in Milwaukee? I hope, I hope we're both wrong, but I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we talk about MVP, I've heard the uh, kind of I don't want to say an argument, but a discussion come up of what does MVP mean? Does MVP purely mean the best player in baseball? Or does it mean most valuable player to that team? So if you took Christian, if you take Christian Yelich away from the Brewers, how much do the Brewers collapse? So how valuable is he to that team? So we're going to see how valuable Christian Yelich was to the Brewers. How much of how much they relied on him. So uh, yeah, I I'd, I'd be interested to see if this impacts next season. I don't think it will. I mean, he fractured his kneecap. It shouldn't be that bad but definitely a big blow to the brewers uh another injury i want to talk about or an injury comeback is johnny cueto the man the red Sox should have signed instead of david price um and then i, I you know I'll, I'll david price yeah he did great in the playoffs but johnny cueto got got him for much less proven winner Arguably better, same, if not better stats. But Johnny Cueto came back last night for the Giants. Uh, got the win for the Giants last night against the Pirates. The Giants beat the Pirates 5-4. to four. Cueto pitched five innings, one hit, zero earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. So pretty good return coming back from Tommy John surgery. Um, Bumgarner is probably going to be gone at the end of the season. So to me, that puts Cueto as their ace. I mean, I don't, you could say maybe Samarja, um, maybe, but I think Cueto, I think Cueto is the Giants go-to guy. Giants are kind of like, kind of in a rebuild right now. You know, we thought they were going to go down and down and down. They were kind of like second worst, third worst team in an NL. And then they had like a resurgence, kind of faded, but Cueto probably going to be the Giants front man pitching wise going into the future. So uh yeah, great. Do you have any thoughts on Cueto's return? I wasn't aware that uh I knew he was coming back soon, but I didn't know that he was starting last night. And uh, you know, that's that's impressive. I'm glad that he's pitched a good game, you know, he's he's there, but it might be a little premature to start putting the ace tag on him already because he's you know, he's probably running on adrenaline right now. Uh, and it's powerful natural chemical you know it really gets players fired up it has them do unbelievable things so we'll see how he does in his next start and in the next few starts he has to finish the season before he can be labeled as their ace of the future although he's got the pedigree for him not the pedigree but he's got the history that backs him up he's been an ace pitcher for the longest time especially with the reds so i think he's got it i think he's definitely got that potential to become their ace but i actually uh the giants that's a that's a fascinating fascinating topic for next year because, of course, Bochi is out. He's leaving after the season. So are the Giants going to just try to hire a good manager and try to keep things going? Or are the Giants going to rebuild? Or 
what is their plan? I mean, I think that they were caught off guard by the type of season that they've had so far being this yeah. late in the race. So it, it remains to be seen what they will do. They may just decide just to take the a typical owner's position and just be happy with making a profit, or they may be a serious uh, owner, have serious ownership that really wants to build a winner. So, um, yeah, Cueto's definitely a part of the roster for next year. Be nice to see if who else they could sign. I, they don't, yeah, I don't think we both agree that Bumgarner's not going to come back, but we can yeah. obviously wait and see what they're going to do with, uh, with the free agent market or any kind of trades that they might be interested in making. Maybe even trading Yastrzemski, uh, because Yastrzemski could be a fluke, but he could be able, he could be a, a sell high candidate right now so they can get the most for their money. But anyway, that's a giant topic at another time, but, uh, I like Cueto. I, I wish I, yeah. I want, yeah, I want, I like, not- I like, I, I really do like Cueto. Yeah. I'm glad to see him back. Um, I guess not really a comeback per se, but an almost comeback. Luis Severino is making his second rehab start tonight for Double A Trenton against Bowie in the Eastern League Championship uh, series. So Trenton won last night six to two, so oh. they lead the series one nothing. Yeah. But I'm going into game Thursday, so I was hoping that Bowie would win the first two and then they could clinch the series. I don't want Trenton to clinch it because they're the Yankees affiliate. And no, no, yeah. we just can't have that. We can't have that nonsense. No, oh. Oh, just in that sense, period, you know. But uh, I wish I could get more into minor league baseball if the teams, if the rosters were just a little bit more set because they're so fluid, you know. Yeah. And, and it's just. And know, now, And now this time of year, as you look at a team like not, not the Bay Sox per se, just because the Orioles, Orioles obviously aren't competing. But if you look at a team like the Thunder, you know, where they're the Yankees affiliate, the Yankees are competing, so they're moving guys around a lot. You know, if you look at you look at teams that are competing, their minor league teams are going to have a roster shift because they're moving guys around, calling guys up, sending them down. So Yeah, or even shutting down uh, people as well. They, they yeah. might be shutting down people because they're going to be already going to Arizona. Yeah, know? like Severino's probably only going to pitch like, four innings maybe or something like that so and then his next start will probably be in the majors so yeah do you think they're rushing him back do you think he's coming back too soon or should they just shut him down for the season um they probably should have shut him down for the season but i think the yankees realize they need pitching um heat the playoff anywhere they need pitching. You know, the, their offense and all that can get them to the playoffs. But what they need in the playoffs is pitching, and they don't right now. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's it kind of brings back memories of what what was that Strasburg back in 2012? Yeah. Because you get a for the Yankees, they're going to gamble. Uh, their future um, this season, like it's a win at all cost seasons, and, and they're and the type of economic model that they have is different than a lot of other major league teams. They can sign some pitchers over the off season to replace Severino if necessary. And, and I know that good pitchers don't they don't grow on trees, but then again, you know you're gonna you're gonna mortgage your entire future. And Severino is a young guy, so this is their future. You know, they could build him into their next big guy so i can't help but yeah sure but i can't help wonder you know if i'm severino's agent you know i'm 
talking. I'm, I'm, I'm having lunch with the trainer every day. I'm talking to the owner every day and I'm telling him the same messages. You guys aren't going to rush back my, my bread and butter, my, my money bags. No way you're going to rush him back. And then he's going to lose his income potential because he's brought back too soon. That's not going to happen. You guys, we're going to take it nice and easy. We're going to have a pitch count that's going to be strictly adhered to. And, uh, I'm, I'm not going to have this, this guy slip through my fingers just because, uh, just to win a series or win a, win a, have a wonderful another ring on your finger. It's not, it's not in the cards for us. Baseball's set up totally different in New York. Whereas if it was a smaller market and they had to, they had to, they knew that this was their last chance. They know they can't sign people. They know they can't afford to lose anybody. Then yeah, then the, it kind of changes things a little bit because it's a one, more of a one shot deal but with the Yankees. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I think that they're gonna they're gonna be really really light with him, and they're gonna keep him uh, the real low pitch count, maybe 65, 75 pitches. But look what Tampa Bay's doing with Glass now. Glass now is only pitching two innings right now, and they're gonna ease him back. And I doubt that he's gonna be able to go beyond five innings before the end of September. And they're taking it very very slow with him, and they're. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're a, a small no-market team right now. They're a team that's actually going to be moving to Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah, half the season, yeah. Yeah, so they're, 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 Tampa Bay is taking it real easy on their, on their ace of the future right now. So um, two interesting uh, cities, two interesting rosters, two pitchers with similar potential. I'd be interested, and it's just going to be fascinating to see how each franchise deals with its ace. Yeah. All right, well, that wraps up the uh, news portion of this show. So let's get to this week's topic of the week. So major news this week coming out of Boston. Dave Dombrowski fired three weeks before the season ends. Dave Dombrowski, of course, Boston's general manager, head of baseball operations. Um, and he's gone. Was, uh, he fu- was he fired or was it mutual consent? I thought he, I thought he was fired. I mean, I didn't really read into it much, but I thought, I think he was, he was cut because I, I don't think it was mutual consent. Um, because I mean, it is a weird time to fire him three weeks before the season ends. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, now listen, I'm, I'm glad I, I did not like Dave Dombrowski. Not a fan of him, but in reality, the, I mean, the Red Sox are nine games out, but when they fired him, they were only around seven, you know, six games out. That's not impossible to come back from. That's not impossible to do. And now there's not much Dave Dombrowski could have done, but to me, once you fire someone like a manager or a general manager, you're essentially giving up on that season. That That's what that's what that signals to me. You're essentially giving up and saying, we're not competing the rest of the season. We know we can't do it. We'll wait till next year. The uh, question, major question comes up, though, how does this impact future guys? How does this impact guys like J.D. Martinez or Mookie Betts? How does, how does this impact these guys? Because these guys' contracts are going to be up. And if we, if the Red Sox lose Mookie or J.D., and um, if they don't add another piece, they're just going to have another year like this year or even worse. They're going to start slowly fading away. And thanks to Dave Dombrowski, there's nobody in the farm system that they can call up. Dave Dombrowski infamous for burning it all to the ground. And 
destroying the farm system completely and to get immediate talent. So, Greg, you said you said obviously you said this is a this is a weird move. This is a stupid move. What what like specific what what specifically don't you like about this? Well, I mean, come on, you, you, you're, you're obviously you drinking the Red Sox Nation Kool Aid. This guy just won a World Series just mm-hmm. a few months ago. He's a proven winner in Miami. He did it in Detroit. I forgot the name of the other town that he was in, uh, but he's a, he's a winner. He he builds winning teams, and he does it under the the, the model that's set up for him. Uh, you can't, uh, especially in, in in like in a city like Boston, you just cannot tell people go have press conferences or even uh bring him on the air for the television broadcast like they do in baltimore their gm and talk about how the rebuild is going and he oh well down in double a we're doing this and we've got this nice young kid that we just picked up out of dominica he's gonna do that in boston you guys don't go for that you guys don't fall for that trap and dombrowski knows that and i think the owner knows that of the team and uh and so dombrowski's there he's got he's given the keys all right this is what i'm going to do and yes sir we know that's what you're going to do and the owner uh and i saw so I, I i wish i remembered his name but he had some interesting quotes and i can paraphrase him it's like he said yeah we know what we were getting into but it just got out of hand it just got way out of hand i mean we're, we're in the hole the luxury tax and there's just no way out of this there's just no way that we can feasibly keep the franchise running if, if, but if, if, at, at this rate, which translates to actually, you know, Boston, the Red Sox, if you own the Red Sox, you're going to always make a profit no matter what. People are going to go to the games. They're going to buy the products. Advertisers are going to show up on TV. You're an owner in Boston. You're going to make money no matter how much money you spend and put yourself in the hole. So uh, Dombrowski, I was, uh, I, you know, obviously he was in Detroit. I know what happened there. I know clearly what happened there. And uh, he and Illich did the same thing. Mike Illich was the owner. He's passed away. Perhaps maybe the greatest owner that the Tigers ever had. Unfortunately, he never had got the World Series championship. Rest in peace. But he still is a great man for the city of Detroit. He did some wonderful things there. And uh, he did the same thing with Dabrowski. Gave him the keys. Sign the guys you need. I want a championship before I die. That's what the instructions were to Dabrowski. And so that's what Dabrowski did. You know, he gutted the farm system, traded people away. And uh, he signed big money contracts. He signed long term, unnecessarily long term contracts to people like Victor Martinez and Miguel Caprera. And those are backfiring on us right now. And, uh, you know, I just um, we've seen what's happened in Miami. Miami has been useless since Dombrowski left. I just, uh, you know, you guys made a deal with the devil. That's what Boston did. You made a deal with the devil. You got your World Series championship. And you got the keys back, too. <laughs> there you go. Now we're going to see how you guys dig yourself out of this hole. And fortunately, you do have deep pockets. I think you'll be able to build up a lot quicker than, say, Detroit that well, will be able to. Or even, of course, Miami. But uh, it's you guys have got big problems. You've got, a, you've got an extremely high payroll. You've got um, you've got some dead weight on your roster that you've got to get rid of, and you have no farm system. It's everything. You, you, everything is on duct tape right now, and uh, you know it, we could spend hours talking about just those three issues right there. But um, this is it. You guys are you know I, if I'm Joey Cora, I'm thinking you know maybe I should retire or resign from the Red Sox because I don't want to be a part of this mess. I want to be a part of a winner, and I think yeah, well, a lot of players on the that- roster are thinking the same thing too. That's the problem with Dave Dabrowski's model. Like, 
I, I understand what you're saying, you know, it, it does seem weird, it is weird, it is odd that he was fired this, this time, at this point in season, but he was, obviously he was hired to win, and he did, he did that, he won a World Series, but what did they do this year? What are they going to do next year? So I is mean, that what the fan base is looking for? The fan base is looking to build dynasties. They're not looking yes. to build a World Series champion. They want they want it all, a dynasty and exactly. a World Series championship. Like the, like, the Astros, the Dodgers, they could be a dynasty. This could be a dynasty. It could be an Astro-Dodgers World Series. And if they keep it up, it might be an Astros-Dodgers World Series next year, too, because the Dodgers are a young team. The Astros are a pretty young team, too. We we could have those dynasties because what the Astros have done and the Dodgers have done and maybe even the, honestly even the Yankees too because we've seen how when they've had injuries they pulled guys up and they've showed up big time they they built an they built a very good major league team they've had good pitching maybe not the Yankees good pitching um a good bullpen good hitting very good solid major league team and then they've also had a farm system. They've also been able to call guys up. They've also, I mean, the Dodgers have what, like three rookies and a home run in a game earlier this year. They've <laughs> been able to call guys up, send guys down. They've been able to manipulate their farm system. So have a very good major league team and a very good farm system. The Dodgers are just, are the first team to clinch a playoff spot. Yeah, they did it last night. And they have, you could say the Dodgers have the best team in baseball. They have, who I think is going to be the MVP now, Cody Bellinger. And they have an amazing farm system. It's not impossible to do that. I think what people and a lot of Red Sox fans are saying is, we won a World Series, yeah, get over it. You know, who cares that, you know, he traded away the farm system? Yeah, you win one World Series, but then what are you going to do after that? I said this last year. I said this during the offseason. I said, listen. If the Red Sox don't win this year, they're going to be going into a rebuild in five to seven years. They're going to be going into a full-on rebuild because they're going to lose. Their their guys are good. the guys that they have now. They're going to lose some of them who are on short contracts because they know the Red Sox aren't winning right now. So they're going to want to win. The guys that are get older, they're that they might have on contracts. They're going to get older, so they're not going to be their former selves. And the Red Sox are going to slowly start to fade away. And you can't just throw money at it. And you can't just sign a big free agent. You can't just, you know, sign a Max Scherzer or sign so-and-so or whatever. You can't, you can't do that. You have to build from the ground up. What are the Orioles doing right now? And I said this last, I said this like last episode or the episode before. I think the Orioles next year could be floating around 400. Because what the Orioles are doing is building from the ground up. They have some top-heavy talent, some, very minimal, that they got rid of. And they're building from the ground up. And the Orioles went from having one of the worst farm systems in baseball to now they're around mid-tier farm system. You know, they're around the middle of the pack. So it's possible to raise up that farm system, build a good baseball team, a major league team, and still have a good farm system. Because we what we want is, a di- like you said, a dynasty long-term success and I don't see the Red Sox 
going towards long-term success anytime soon. They're probably going to lose Mookie and or JD. And if they if they lose both of them, then they need an outfielder and a DH. And that's just, I, I don't know who they would put in there because there's nobody really they can call up from the minors. They can call up some guys that maybe they could rush. I think Bobby Dolbeck is either in double A or he just got promoted to triple A. So to promote him to the majors might be a mistake. And I don't know. I like, I find it weird that they fired Nebraska now. I think that maybe they should have kept him to the end of the season, but I'm not mad. I'm not mad that they fired Dombrowski. I think he, he is the reason that the Red Sox aren't going to have long-term success. Yes, they won and were the best Red Sox team ever. But what's going to happen now? You win one time and that's it. I don't care. I'd rather, I'd rather make it to the World Series, and this might be somewhat uh, weird to say, I'd rather make it to the World seven years in a row or five years in a row, whatever, then win one out of seven years and then right after I win, start going straight downhill and stink and be like one of the bottom of the barrel teams. So you'd like to you'd like to be more like the Atlanta Braves were back what was that, back in the nineties or something when Yeah, or like the like oh. like Bills. Like the Buffalo Bills. I mean we're going to football, but like the Bills were in the nineties. Because that's success. And what that tells you is, listen, we and and listen, I'm not just going to be content with losing the World Series every year. But what that tells you is if you make the World Series two or three years in a row, what it says is we are one step away from winning the World Series. Right now, the Red Sox are hundreds of steps away. They have tons of things to do to win the World Series, to even make it in the playoffs. But if you go to the World Series, it says one step away from winning the World Series. You can build on, like, oh, well, what happened? I lost the World Series in Game 5 because our pitching faltered. Okay, maybe let's build up our pitching. Let's see what we got in the farm system. Let's work on that. It gives you things to But if you win one year and then you start to go down, and down and down, Red Sox has been like, all right, well, we need to, um, at the beginning, it was the bullpen is going to be questionable. But the starting pitching is going to be okay. It's flip-flop. Starting pitching was very questionable, and the bullpen was okay. Then it flip-flopped again, and the starting pitching started to get okay. Then the bullpen started to get So all these things, and it's like, oh, what do we fix? And then if we lose J.D., if they lose J.D. and Mookie, that offense, offense which has been great this year, one of the best hitting and run-scoring teams in baseball, their offense, which has been great this year, is going to go down. So there's no, there's no pitching. So you have to fix your rotation. You have to fix your bullpen. Now you have to fix your hitting. Because we had to win that one year. Yes, it's great. You won that one year. But what are you going to do now? So who, who's going to, who, how much time are you going to give the ownership uh, to sign up, to sign another, a new GM? Because that's, that's the biggest hole right now in the entire or, <coughs> excuse me, organization. Yeah, I mean, GMs are tricky because, like, if it was a manager, I could say, oh, well, I on the market. Um, this guy just got fired from this team. You know, you I don't really know managers. Uh, like, when the Orioles were looking for a manager and they signed Mike Elias, I wasn't thinking, oh, man, they should sign Mike Elias because I didn't even know Mike Elias existed. So, 
I don't really know who they should sign. I think it's going to happen during the all season. Uh, you're, hopefully you're around t- no, November, you're, December. You're, okay, I'll give you. I'll give you till then. Yeah, at the at the at the league meetings, perhaps they'll 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 not make the announcement then. But you you may want to be uh, um, cutting edge with your new GM instead of hiring a baseball man. Hire a stat. Yes. Yes. That spends all of his time in his little cubicle crunching numbers, you know, and he's 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 a double platinum member of Fangraphs, you know, and he's <laughs> he's a, he's just your total stat crunching nerd. Yeah. And and, and and he would dictate who you sign and who you don't sign. That's pretty much what uh, the Astros have done. Not so much their GM is not a baseball guy, but the, I think the game is trending in that direction where it's not so much. You're hiring somebody who you know uh, played uh, little league ball, played Babe Ruth in the American Legion, maybe right. tried for his high school team, got cut, but just totally loves the game. I don't know if those guys are feasible anymore because you can love the game and that's great, but if you don't know numbers, <laughs> you've got problems. And so that's yeah, I- and I mean that's that's how you build a good dynasty, a good farm system, and major league team because there are going to be those guys out there that are obviously good, they're obviously good stat wise. They're, they're producing numbers, you know, their launch angle, all these little things are good. But those guys are going to be expensive. But it's it's going to be the guys that have good hitting, you know, have a good maybe a spin rate. They just can't get this down. But, hey, that's easy to work with. They have a good launch angle. They just need to work on something. It's going to be those guys that are somewhat lower on maybe other people's radar or lower financially wise. That though that's how that's who you sign. That's how you build up that team. Yep. And yeah, I think it needs to be a stat-based guy. One thing I don't want to see the Red Sox do is the Orioles did this before they signed Michael Elias's. Their manager was um, Dan Duquette. The oh. manager was Dan Duquette, um, and they were owned. They're still owned by Peter Angelos. But what they essentially did was it was almost like a manager by committee. So Dan Duquette really couldn't make a ton of decisions because he'd have Peter Angelos in his ear. He'd have all these guys around him in his ear telling him what to do. There was He never really had control. Now, obviously, he bears some fault for how bad the Orioles did, but I don't want the Red Sox to turn into that where they have so many voices, you know, in the ear of whatever manager they go with. I don't. I don't want them to appoint someone from within the organization. I want them to go outside the organization. Uh, I mean, maybe there's a big stat guy in the Sox organization, but the Red Sox have the resources. They have the power to make a very good stat-based team, very sabermetrics-focused team that can build a dynasty. They have the resources to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, there's tons of universities in the Boston area. I'm sure there's somebody there knows knows a little bit about. Statistics. Oh, MIT. I mean, <laughs> you know? I mean, some of the, like the most prestigious universities are in the Boston area. Yeah, Harvard, it's... MIT, you know, UMass, Boston. All I mean, yeah, you can find someone. But yeah, I mean, the games, the games evolving in that sense too. Managers are not really doing what they used to do making decisions, you know, about, uh, about the game, who didn't serve yeah. against certain pitchers managed. That's been taken away from them in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously every, everybody knows that I follow the Tigers close to my heart and Ron Gardenhire, uh, a lot of his press conferences are where he takes the, the heel of his hand, bops against the side of his head and just says, 
gee, you know, we're going to think about that. Or we're going to we're going to have that discussion later. He never says I'm in charge and I'm the boss here. Not like uh, back in the days when you had Earl Weaver and Billy Martin and yeah. Spark Anderson running the show. They were the guys that made the decisions. You know, they and they would look at stats, of course, but not as detailed as they are today. But that, was, that, that breed is is dead and gone. We're not going to see those kind of managers anymore. The manager now pretty much is just uh, there to soothe egos. Now he's got to have a psychology degree just to, to be able to communicate with people and maybe speak some Spanish too. So he can make sure that everybody's, you know, happy. I, I think Cora is a great, I think Cora is a great manager. I think managerial wise, like the coach, the on-field manager, you need to have a baseball minded guy. Obviously, he needs to have some stat. He can't just be like this old, set-in-his-ways guy who doesn't want to pay attention to stats. He has to have some knowledge and some understanding of the stats and the sabermetrics, but he has to be more of a baseball-minded guy. The general manager needs to be less of a baseball-minded guy and more of a stats-based guy. That's true. I agree. I think that's that's, because that, that, that's part of the equation. The managers yeah. have to be able to have had that experience of you know going out there and practicing in Florida right. in July when it's steaming hot out working on your swing, where at GM that's not necessarily part of the job description. I don't have to I don't have to have been out there working on my swing by myself in, in the middle of July in Florida. I don't have to deal with that. I don't. I, I'm more worried about spin rate, like you said earlier, and and uh, and uh, and other statistics that are important to who I should promote, who I should demote. Or if I do promote them, where do I put them on the bench? Or where do I insert them in the lineup? What kind of hitters or pitchers yeah. are they going to face? So that's the GM's role. And the GM has got to feed that information. The GM probably has his one or two uh, assistants that really dig into the numbers and crunch, and they report to him. And then he, he, he condenses that. The GM reports that to the manager and says, this is your lineup for tonight. Right. This is who you're putting in. And then the manager has to be able to communicate to player X. You know, uh, you're not in the lineup tonight because, you know, this pitcher has a spin rate that you just have not had much success with throughout your career. So we're going to sit you on the bench for now. And, you know, he's got to be able to put that in a language that the player can yeah. understand. Well, or, you know, the, the general manager has to be focused on the sabermetrics, but the manager has to be able to take that sabermetrics and also take the fact that there's just a natural baseball element to it and make those mix. So... You know, it, that, that's no. what you got to do in Boston, right there. Now, I think we just figured it out. That's what you, you got to do. You got to hire somebody. Hey, we should take over the team. Oh, geez. Well, I would like to be the owner. I don't think I got the brains to be a GM or even a manager, but gosh, I sure would love to be the owner and just put those put those puzzle pieces of the puzzle together. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is this week's topic of the week. I mean, yep. we could have gone on and on about that. And R I T Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it's frustrating and sad but um that's this week's topic of the week so we're gonna move on to this week's series and matchup of the week yes so my series of the week is the oakland a's versus the houston astros so obviously division races are all but done at this moment the only close division race is the american league central and the national league central but like the american league west isn't close. Oakland's nine and a half games back, but Oakland is also only a half a game ahead of the Indians for that wild card spot. So Oakland is playing their hearts out. They're trying to get in the playoffs, unlike they did last year. And they are, or no, they did last year. It was the race that they get in. But um, Oakland is on that brink of, you know, wild card or not wild card. So Oakland is 
playing playing hard for that spot. And then Houston is also battling it out with the Yankees for that number one number one seed in the in the American League playoffs. So who who gets to play that uh, wild card opponent? And the A's had a pretty good game. Did you catch the did you see the score of the game last night, Greg? A's Astros? No, I thought it was the uh you know, I thought it was the Raiders and the Texans score. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Twenty one to seven. Twenty one yeah. to seven. The A's had six home runs, twenty five hits. Um they scored in every inning except the seventh and the eighth inning. Uh yeah. Don't look over mm-hmm. the shoulder, Houston, but maybe you should have signed Keichel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I think that's a good series, division rivals. So yeah. So Greg, what do you got? I've got you know this this is um this is the most important series. I mean, like you just said, this is um all the other races, everything else is pretty much locked up as far as division titles for the most part. Uh, I've got a couple of wild card races that could go either way. That's that's really exciting. I'm fascinated with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got a big one going on here. We've got. The Baltimore Orioles are coming to Detroit this weekend for a big set for the race to the bottom. Woo-hoo. Race to the bottom. <laughs> right now, Detroit holds a two and a half game lead, my friend. And it's very tenuous because, you know, Baltimore has been playing pretty bad lately, too. So we'll see if they can catch up. Detroit won the series in Baltimore in May, two games to one, which, uh, you know, I, I, that might have been a fluke at the time. Uh, I just I can't believe Detroit would have actually had won a series this year, but I guess uh, they at least won one. Um, there's, I, I can't gauge right now what the pitching matchups are going to be this weekend, but does it really matter? Does it really I matter? John, I think John Means might be pitching at some point. That, that, that'd be nice. Good to see him out there. Edwin Jackson, hopefully he'll come out. He got rocked last night. Yeah. So I'm hoping that he'll well, have the Orioles uh, were 47 and 115 last year, so they are only one win away from tying last year's win total. So improvement already. I I see it. So Baltimore doesn't really. I don't know if they really are qualified to be the worst team in baseball this year. But yeah. Because I've seen them play. They've got some. They've got some good players. Oh uh, yeah, they took the Red Sox to the house. Yes. I mean, I've seen them beat the Yankees. I mean, they've they've had good games. I don't know why they're in have the record that they do with all kidding aside. I don't really, I watch them on TV and I don't really see them as that bad of a team. They're not that, they're, they're not I that think, I think they have it. They have, you know, they had their bullpen really, their pitching needs some work, but they have some good pitching, some okay bullpen and some pretty good hitting. They just can't put it all together. You know, they'll have those outbursts where like when they played the Indians earlier in the season and they beat them 11 to nothing twice. Or they'll have, you know, games where they'll maybe shut a team out or whatever, but they can't put all of it together. No, and they need they need a um they need a they need a new manager also. I don't think they've got the right guy in place there that can can carry that team through. Yeah, these. I, I I don't see Brandon High getting fired in a in a while. I think it would be like egg on the face of Mike Elias if he fired the guy that he had just signed. Well, I'm sorry, but sometimes decisions. I mean, you look what you guys did in Boston with your GM. So it, it can yeah. be done. It can be done. I, I, I like Mike Elias. I think he's good for the Orioles. The manager, though. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if he's. I honestly thought they should have stayed with Showalter, but. <laughs> I love Buck Showalter, too. I just can't wait to see where he ends up. I, yeah. I really. 
I would like Maybe to see... he'll be with the Mets. Who knows? Yep. All right. I would like to see him actually come to Detroit, to tell you the truth. He's the best manager out there that's not working. Yeah. I don't think he's hot property. Or, or even for a team like the White Sox. I think the White Sox, because they've shown some improvement this year, uh, and they're ready to move up to the next level. I'd like to see them get uh, Showalter as well. Even Toronto. Toronto's looking a little bit better the second half of the season. So, But um, that's that's my big matchup. Uh, I wish I had uh, some more better stats for you, but um, I can tell you. Uh, let's see. I was I was looking at the, the three game set that was earlier, but um, uh, if there's any stat that makes it different, because we were talking about universities, Boston has a lot of them, and they could hire probably a good GM and some good um, uh, sabermetrics guys to to get the roster fit perfectly for a dynasty in Boston. Uh, if we did that, if we did the same comparison between Baltimore and Detroit, I think Detroit would lose because as far as I know that the Baltimore area, at least the Baltimore area has 15 universities and Detroit only has five. So I think, yeah, I mean, Baltimore's got some good, good universities around that. I mean, you know, we're somewhat close to only like an hour away from TC, hour and a half. So, um, yeah. So keep your eye on the scoreboard. Watch the Baltimore Detroit series, everybody. Yep, who's getting that first pick? Yep. All right, so, Greg, you said you didn't have a pitching matchup of the week. Is that right? Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I, it's it's kind of like hockey with yeah. pitching matchups. You know, in hockey, they always have these mystical lower body injuries, you know, and that's what's what happened. Don't, we don't even know how that's defined. And the same thing with baseball, too. For some reason, uh, at least I'm sure that there's a couple of websites out there, and I think you found one, and maybe you could share that with me later. But yeah. uh, I can't I can't find uh, anybody that's good beyond two days. Yeah, I just Google MLB projected pitchers and then uh, fantasy pros is the one that I use. And only it only goes like a week or so. Like ten days, but it's still, you know, pretty good. That's and it. I've seen it be fairly accurate. So, um, my pitching matchup of the week is the Nationals are playing the Braves, and obviously the Nationals are um, nine and a half games back of the Braves, so they're not they're not competing for the division at this point unless the Braves is a monumental collapse. Uh, the Nationals two and a half games ahead in the wild card. But the pitching matchup is Mike Soroka versus Max Scherzer. So possibly if we got to an NLCS and this was the matchup, th- this could be it. You know, Soroka versus Scherzer. Uh, Soroka 11-4, 267 ERA, 111 whip, and 126 strikeouts. Max Scherzer 10-5, 256 ERA, 1 whip, and 216 strikeouts. Yeah. Mind you, when I was looking at strikeouts, I mean, you look at how you're like, whoa, Scherzer has so many more strikeouts than uh, Soroka. You know, almost he has 90 more strikeouts than Soroka. Well, Garrett Cole has 281 to Max Scherzer's 216. So if you look at the strikeout leaders, Max Scherzer is 10th. At one point, Max Scherzer led. So I don't know. Maybe, you know, he did get hurt. Who knows? But. Soroka is projected to start. Scherzer is confirmed to start, according to the at-bat app. But that should be a pretty good matchup. Division matchup, too. So. Yeah, yeah, it would be good. Yeah, it's the eyes of Canada will be upon Soroka. He's their best player, I think, in Major League Baseball right now. So uh, it's funny that we mentioned hockey just a moment ago, and now we got Canada right back in the picture that quickly. I don't know many other baseball podcasts that can do that, so. 
Yeah, we're a Canada-focused podcast. Yeah. Alright, so my stat of the week is interesting. So I get uh I get a lot of my stats or my stats of the week from Stats by Stats. You can you can follow them on Twitter at Stats by Stats. And they just have some very interesting things that they pull out. So this one, I'm just gonna read the tweet directly. The Astros are the first MLB team to have a game where they scored twenty plus runs and then a different game where they allowed twenty plus runs in a three game span. Since, Greg, I'll let you guess the last team that did this. The last team that did this. I'll bet you 20 bucks you can't get it. 20 bucks? I bet Does this team still have an active franchise? No. All right. All right. Montreal Expos. Brooklyn Bridge Grooms did so <laughs> on August 6th and 7th in 1894. I love it. Not love- last century, but the century before that was the last <laughs> time it happened. Uh, the, I love fir- the, fir- the first comment on this tweet is the Brooklyn who? So, uh, yeah. Wow, I wonder if they even had matching uniforms. I should have looked I, I should have looked, uh, looked them up, but I'm, I'm Googling the Brooklyn Bridge Grooms right now. I wonder if they like became the Dodgers or here, the Brooklyn Bridge Grooms on Wikipedia. Origins of the Dodgers. The team currently known as the Dodgers was formed as the Brooklyn Grays in 1883. So, I think the L.A. Dodgers are a form of the Brooklyn Bridge Grooms. Like, the Bridge Grooms were the original Brooklyn Dodgers, which then became the L.A. Dodgers. So, well, interesting fact, but 1894. We... I'm, I'm going to put this out there. Um, so if anybody can, anybody listening can identify and dis- explain what a bridge groom is, AJ will pay you a, a $25 uh, Starbucks gift card. <laughs> yes, yeah. E- email us in what a bridge groom is or find us on Twitter, Instagram, what a bridge groom is. You got it. <laughs> All right. All right, so what you got for your stat of the week, Greg's? Dad of the week, man, it's all about home runs and strike zones and or strikeouts in MLB. It's just amazing, you know, how, how those numbers have worked out. So I, I, I don't have anything um about the bridge grooms, although I'm going to start looking up uh, some information about them because that's how yeah, I love baseball history. But um, uh, all right, I'm going to. In 1980, oh, let's go to 1919. Number of home runs hit in Major League Baseball in 1919. How many do you think were hit? In 1919? Yes. I'm going to say around 2,500. Wow. This is the dead ball era, too. What's the number? Uh, You're you're very generous. You're very generous. But uh, the the number of home runs hit in 1919 total was 447. Wow. 447. Like said that now. Ugh. Yeah, that's I, I like I know this year it's it we're currently at six over six thousand. So I was thinking, well, you know, it's definitely not six thousand. So, man, just looking at that alone, just looking at that alone tells you how much the game has changed and now oh, how, yeah. how the game has been really just uh, okay. I'm going to throw it as hard as I can, and the, and then the, the hitter says, well, I'm going to swing as hard as I can, and that hopefully will bring people to the ballpark and keep the interest going. But that's what the game's evolved to now. 
uh, the, the game back in those days was more of a strategic game where, where the, the objective was to, to move runners into scoring position in order to, to get them in and, and, and score runs. And, but, uh, and the ballparks were a little bit bigger back then, too, which kind of prevented a lot of home runs from happening in that sense. But um, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's a fascinating stat, I think, to be able to compare over 100 years. So I guess another question would be, okay, well, 100 years from now, how many home runs will be hit in the, in the leagues, yeah. you know? Yeah, because as, as guys start focusing more on stats, too, how, yeah. how, how much more happens. So, yeah. Well, uh, that is this week's show. We thank you guys for tuning in. We're glad to be back. Remember, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BOTRpod. Um, and, yeah, send that. Tell us what a bridge groom is. Tell us what a bridge groom is. Yes. I don't know. Because yeah. we know the Do- we know the Dodgers get their name from dodging subways and all that. But what is a bridge groom? I don't know. It's not a, like a broom. It's not a I, – I don't know. Yeah, Let yeah. us know what that is. Check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, back of the rotation. Thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you, Greg, for coming on. No problem, AJ. I love being here. We had a, we had a great time today. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys, and we will see you all. I want to say next week, but I'm not sure. We will see you, though, eventually, at a later time.